My name is Christopher Plant, and I am the founder of Radio Kismet. Radio Kismet is a podcast creation studio located right here in Philadelphia. When I found out that Andrew was having a 50th birthday party and that he was inviting all of his family and most of his closest friends, I thought it would be an incredible opportunity to record some of those conversations in a meaningful way to create a landmark recording that he could look back to for the rest of his life. I want to thank all the people, all the friends, all the family that took time from this great party to sit down and talk with me and record these memories. Happy 50th birthday, Andrew Eisenstein. Special thanks to Ricky for working this all out. Thanks, Ricky. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, sitting with me. I love you got that that low radio voice. Here we have them together. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I recognize your voice as being so low until I have these headphones on. Yeah. Well, I am um, accused of having a, a great face for radio. And, um, you know, my voice is uh, it's slowly evolved into something that loves being spoken into a microphone. So um, what is your name? It's Andrew Eisenstein. And what is today? Today is my 50th birthday. What's today's date? February 27th, 2022. So you're born in 1972. That's right, yeah. Um, almost a leap year, baby. That's right, a couple more days. Yeah. And so we um, are doing this interview basically to kind of um, just talk about a little bit about your life. Um, last night I spoke to uh, 13 different people about you and the overwhelming evidence that I can provide from that small amount of research is that um, people love you and think of you as a teacher and somebody that has a great passion for life, but more importantly, um, an incredible passion for their family and their friends, for having a good time, for doing deals and making money, but you know, always kind of adding that element of being a teacher and an educator into it. And so what, what are a few of the things that you've learned in your 50 years um, walking this earth? A broad question. You know, I, I love teaching. I think I always think of myself as a bit of a coach more yep. than a teacher, trying to find the best in people, if that's possible. And uh, I guess I've always learned there's, you got to kind of meet people where they're at. You know, like, I mean, that's the coach in me. Like, you know, that not everyone's ready to do any one thing at any one time. And, uh, you know, I... I uh, I really enjoy kind of, you know, finding that moment when you can connect with people and you know exactly where they're at and, you know, therefore you are in the right place. You know, you kind of really know where, where I feel like I know where I'm supposed to be then when I yeah. connected. So um, it's almost in some ways like you came out of the, the womb fully formed. You were young and... My, par when, my parents would not agree with that statement. <laughs> well, but I mean, you, you, you started working very hard. You come from a, a background of educators and scientists, right? Yeah, my father's an electrical engineer. My mother's a microbiologist, both college professors. Right. Teach, yeah. And yet you worked really hard to live the life of an entrepreneur. I did, but I, I had no background in that. You know, I, only people I knew growing up were uh, doctors, lawyers, you know, college professors, accountants. Uh, you know, those were my parents, friends. So, you know, those were the adults that I knew. I didn't know any entrepreneurs. So how did you come to it? So in, in such a unique way, I mean, you started painting houses, right? When you were very young. Yeah. When I was 16, I worked for a painter and, uh, in Chestnut Hill, 
with my best friend in high school and we we both worked there and we got paid some minimal amount of money and then the next summer we decided we would start our own painting company and we would paint houses and both our families were our first customers and then we got some other customers and we painted and you know had an incredible summer you know when we yeah. were, we, we were entrepreneurs a squared painting his name was andy also <laughs> andy and andy yeah a <laughs> squared i love that i can't believe that I've never actually heard that that part of the story. Here's a funny part of the story: is we both were painters, and I realized that halfway through the summer that we were, you know, the first year we were working, that he was somewhat afraid of heights. So we would go and work on the outside. <laughs> he, was, he was born for management. Yeah. So we would go and work on these buildings, and we could put up these these high ladders, and you know, we would go all the way up. But he would never do any of the high work, which was by far the most difficult. Uh -huh. you know? So I was constantly climbing up ladders, you know, doing the you know the highest stuff, and then. We'd always end the day at the Chestnut Hill Fitness Club. That was our, our routine. That was your place? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so as you grew into a business person, who were your models? Well, no doubt one of my models was a college professor I had who taught a class in entrepreneurship. His name was Miles Bass. He was an awesome guy, a true entrepreneur, always looking for new deals, buying different small little companies from pizza shops to, you know, pretzel manufacturers to, uh, you know, uh, rug companies, and, and he just... You know, but he had so many great stories and he had such a great way of spinning the tales and the negotiations and the things. It just all sounded exciting. Um, you know, it sounded like he had a varied day, which, yeah. you know, I think ultimately is what appealed to me about entrepreneurship is that when I looked at some of the careers I was more thinking about or I was told I should be thinking about, like going into medicine or something like that, it seemed like there was too much routine for me. Didn't you study political science at school? I did. That was a promise to my father in particular to major in science. And I, he wasn't too thrilled with the choice of which science like, I, I picked. You're like, what's the most unsciencey science I can yeah. do? It was known to be the easiest major at Penn, too. So I uh, you know, decided that would be a good one. Yeah. Tell me about the first time that you met Ricky. So I think the first time I met Ricky, I had heard from a friend of mine in college that she was going to come to a party we were having at my fraternity. And they had gone to high school together. And I think that he was interested in her, but like they had, hadn't seen each other a while. And she came to the party and I met her at that party, at that fraternity party. And eventually you became platonic roommates, right? Yeah, or was, not, there, was there always a plan there? I'm not sure it was so platonic. I mean, but maybe it, uh, you know, I mean, I think uh, I felt like I like this person. This would be a good person to have more than platonic relationships with you know but yeah. she lived in our fraternity house mm -hmm. which was uh, a remarkable thing we had three a, a bold move we had three women in the summer start to live in our fraternity house ricky and two others and within two weeks i think the other two women had moved out because it was not the most friendly place it wasn't that clean i think to be yeah. honest you know yeah and so when did you decide to get married i mean because you guys married fairly young right yeah, we married pretty young. So she was 20 when I met her. I was 21. And uh, I think uh, she and her mother had decided that I was a good catch much earlier than I had decided that I was ready for this uh, longer term commitment. I remember her mother calling me one time from, uh, you know, probably two years into dating or a year and a half into dating, you know, saying that she was at the mall and she found a great ring and I should uh, consider Using buying. Using that as a, yeah. an important the milestone. Yeah, exactly. As if finding the ring was the uh, the struggle. The, the challenging part. Yeah. So I, I actually, at that time, I became a little concerned that they were trying to get rid of her too quickly. <laughs> and I thought, thought maybe there there was something I was missing. What is it about this yeah. woman? Where are the dings? I have to do a little more research. Um, but I think we got engaged when I was 23 or 24. Wow. And, you know, got, yeah, I got married when I was, you know, 24. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And how old are your children? So my oldest, Eli's uh, 21. Uh, my middle, Noah, is uh, 18. And uh, my daughter, Margalita, is 16. Yeah. And why is family so important to you? You know, they're, they're the best fun. And you have the best timeline with them. You know, you watch all the pieces of them growing up and the relationship with Ricky. The time is so important. You know, it's the compounding of, of all those emotions and all the things, you know, you get to see. And it's so fun to just be there with them through all these ups more than anything. There's not a lot of downs, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's so fun to, to be that coach, to be that dad, to be that friend, that husband, you know, it's, it's fun. One of the things that your daughter Marguerite said that, um, is that you would take her on errands and that it was like the simple things that her memories were compiled of the simple moments that you had spent together, not the, you know, skiing down a giant mountain, but just more so the, the, the moments like sitting in the car and, and talking. Is that something that you realized was, was important to you that you just, you just want to be there and just kind of express the, the little moments? Totally. I mean, right now we're, you know, we're, we're learning to drive and we're, we're going together. And I think, uh, you know, we, we drive to school most days, which means that she drives me to school and then I jump in the driver's headed seat. Headed down Germantown Avenue. Headed down Germantown Avenue most mornings. And, uh, you know, I think uh, of the, you know, 70 or 80 times we've done that, there's been only one or two blow-ups, you know, where, <laughs> you know, I felt like we were almost about to crash. But I mean, I, I do think Die. just, I think, you know, we've been in the car, we, you know, and just those moments just... And you think of the news and the things that have gone on in those times too. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I think they, they make a real impression. The Aaron's thing is funny. I think she was accused possibly of not really participating enough in errands. So I suggested to her that, you know, we go on some errands and I winked at her. And an errand means that we're going to go out and get some ice cream. Oh. You know, and we will then also accomplish the task at hand that needs to yeah. be done. The, the picking, things that, that, the things, that actually but, have to be done. But yeah. I'm like, you know, Margalit and I are going to go on some errands, you know, now. <laughs> You know we're we're in you know we know what we're getting yeah that's amazing that's super fun and so all of your kids are teenagers they're either out in the world or about to enter into the world you and i have spoken a lot about sort of the dramatic changes in the the universe that have occurred between when we were kids and and what kids are dealing with today what, what's a single piece of advice you would give yourself 30 years ago when you were turning 20. well i would just say that make sure that you know life is not on camera you know because it is so hard to live your life you know with everything you know in public display all the time mm -hmm. you know and uh find some time where you know you can be without it because i just i was thinking of this the other day that if i was growing up today i couldn't be the person i was 30 years ago and i like that person and i'm happy with that who that person is and was but i also recognize that you know, you have to live in the times that you're into. And, you know, this, my friends and I couldn't have been the people we were then today. Yeah, I have thought a lot about that. And I've done a lot of conversations about parenting and about the sort of uniqueness of the, this moment, this time that we're in now, which is very much lived looking over your shoulder. And, you know, this idea that like everything's on camera, somebody could capture something in a moment that could define you for a decade. And that's very interesting. And so you're 50, you're still very young. You're into fitness, you're into sports, you exercise. What do you plan to do like over the next 10 years? Well, I definitely plan to do some coaching for real. You know, I, I, it's a funny 
story. I recently went down to Florida and got certified to coach Padel, you know, a new sport uh -huh. I've been playing to, you know, I became a certified teacher. And uh, I was totally doing it just for shits and giggles, but I ended up, I just love, I loved learning. I like learning how to be a coach. I'd never learned how to be a coach. I'd never been in a classroom, someone teaching me how to do it. And I thought it was a great experience that I can apply to other things. So I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to use some sports and some things to travel and to, you know, we're going to, we're going to definitely go some places. I'm going to get into a warmer climates when it's colder out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think I'm going to, uh, you know, follow the journey my kids are on, you know, wherever they're, I'd like to spend some time in whatever geography they end up in and, you know, and, and yeah. visit them. And so you've raised now two kids that are seriously moving towards the arts and you yourself would probably not rush to this idea of creativity, but I think you are a super creative person, you know, in the deals and nothing is to you as presented. And so how did that happen that, that you prompted your children to get into the creative arts? Well, I don't know that I'm particularly creative. I, I, I knew always, you would say I, that, by the way, and I, you are creative. Well, I think of like the world as sort of like canvas and paint, and you can't get a painting, you know, without both of them. I mean, they're both equally important and a uh, little bit of the chicken and egg debate. And I definitely think I'm more canvas than paint. So I definitely didn't specifically encourage the kids to get into the arts, but it was clear. I know it was clear for me that I was not set up as a kid to do certain things that I think my parents and other people thought I should do like the certain jobs and other things. And I could just feel the internal resistance, you know, in myself, like when I was pushed in that direction and I, and I didn't really know what that feeling was. I just knew like it was wrong. Like I knew, you know, this wasn't right. And when I see my kids now and what they're interested in, I can see that they're not interested in sort of more traditional careers or, you know, career jobs or those types of things. They're much more interested in creative things and the arts and writing and music and other stuff. And, and uh, I know that they'll feel better about themselves and they'll feel better about life if they just get to pursue those things. And so that my encouragement is, you know, to them is always just do what feels great, you know, at that time because it's going to reward you later. That's awesome. Um, you have an intensely close relationship with your parents. You're super close to your children. Clearly family is a gigantic definer in your universe. What is um, a message? I asked you a message that you would give to your younger self. What's a message you would give to your older self as you continue to age? You know, we're part of a team. I mean, like I, you know, I feel like me and Ricky, we're the top of that team and our family and, you know, and uh, the executive a, branch, we're the executive branch and like, but we're, but it is, you know, it's true like teamwork. I mean, it's everybody works on everything together. I mean, that, that is sort of the, the definition of family. Like we're, we can't be doing one thing with, you know, and one of the family members isn't together with us or isn't, you know, just ready to be there. I mean, so I feel like my message would be just remember, like, you're part of a team. Like, you know, this is just never forget that. Like, even in, in the individual moments, I mean, it's not about any individual or me or, you know, it's, you know. Yeah. I literally, I feel like I somehow came to you as a student. One of the, the messages that you told me that I've repeated at least three times in the past month was that vengeance is a terrible business model. Yeah, it is. It is. It's horrible. I mean, like if, if you looked at the seven deadly sins, you know, some of them at least have some 
uh, some benefit that come with them, but anger, adultery, you know, know, yeah. Anger brings you nothing. Like, what do you get out of that? I mean, you know, if you're going to be a glutton, it's wonderful. You get to eat and drink and, you know, have, you know, great time and, you know, and at least you get some benefit from that. But I mean, you know, to be angry and vengeful is just worthless. I heard at a podcast festival that I was at yesterday, I heard, um, anger is not a clean fuel. Yeah, it it's true. It doesn't burn clean. I mean, it just makes you, it, and it's worse. It get you know, it it builds. It's like the opposite of teamwork. It just builds you know resentment, and it builds more problems. And mm-hmm. you know, and if I was giving advice, I would tell people like, don't be angry. Like, give it up. You know, just yeah. It's not- I like it. I like it. And so, um, just um, we'll, we'll wrap up here. And I would just ask you, can you just give me? I mean, it's clear to me that the center of your universe is your relationship with Ricky. Can you just give me a birthday message for this person that you spent, you know, what we determined last night that, and although she came to it in a clumsy way, that you guys have spent more time together now than you have apart. What's the special message that you have here on your actual 50th birthday for the woman that you've now spent 30 years with? Wow, 30 years. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's an emotional one. Uh, <laughs> I think, but... uh uh, the message would be, uh, you know, it's not enough. Let's uh, another another fifty years. That's great. I love you, buddy. Love you, buddy.